is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Miriam Nabavi on our show today. Miriam is the former Vice President of Product Visioning at Idea Couture. There, she helped Fortune 500 companies develop game-changing products at the intersection of technology and human-centered design. Currently, Miriam is the co-founder and CEO of Babbly, a company that's on a mission to help parents track their baby's development while getting support along the way. Babbly's vision is to become the brain of the nursery and to give millennial parents a full view of their child's health and development data. Welcome to the show, Miriam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into today's chat, what is really the one most important thing you want our audience to take away from our conversation? I want them to know that the more ambitious uh, the goal of, of whatever project it is that they're working on and the more emotional connection they have with that um, mission, uh, the higher the likelihood of uh, success. And this is perhaps my personal view, but um, I've seen it over and over that when you really have an ambitious goal and when you believe in that uh, goal, it's so much easier to bring other people along with the journey. And as we know, people are so fundamental in helping us um, make you know our dreams come true. Without them, it's not possible. Could not agree more, Miriam. That's that's bang on. Um, so take us on your entrepreneurial journey. Why did you launch Babbly? Um, and what exactly is the organization? What uh, What's the mandate? Yeah, um, so I started working uh, on this um, following a personal experience. Uh, in 2018, I realized that my son wasn't really um, developing uh, in terms of his speech and language milestones. Mm. And as a first time mom, I trusted my, uh, you know, pediatrician and other people around me who asked me to wait and see because he was too young. Um, fast forward, we realized that he actually needed therapy. We got a diagnosis and within six months, he went from banging his head on the floor because he wasn't able to tell me what he wanted to being able to put short sentences together. So wow. that really woke me up in terms of how much, um, you know, gap there is out there in terms of giving parents, especially millennial parents who are extremely data driven in every decision that they make. Obviously, mm. it's not different with their children. 
Um, so we started on this journey um, together with my co-founder uh, to launch uh, Babbly, and our mission really is to um, give parents as much data as, as possible about their baby's development in those early critical years so they can make the right decision for their family. Wow, incredible. And I know in, in our opening, you know, we described Babbly, we want it to be the, the brain of the nursery. How yeah. have you incorporated, you know, your, your expertise with AI and that part of uh, your, your background into your company? Talk us through that journey. Yeah, let me maybe first kind of open up what the brain of the nursery means and answer mm -hmm. your question around what Babbly is ab about. So we are a data platform. And what that means is we um, help analyze the data from uh, a baby's development. Right now, we're working with voice data. So if we have access to a baby who's about, you know, three to 18 months old, from the voice of the baby, we can actually tell the parent what stage of uh, speech and social development they're at. Wow. Um, so fast forward, you know, we want to not only give parents data about their speech and language, but also other areas of de development, things like, you know, fine uh, motor skills, as an example, who's another thing that often gets overlooked. Um, in terms of AI, uh, as we know, artificial intelligence is really good at pattern recognition. Mm. And it happens that, uh, you know, children around the world, no matter what culture or language or background they come from, uh, they follow a very repetitive trajectory uh, when it comes to not just speech and language, but every other uh, milestone. So what we are trying to do is to use AI to really recognize what are those common patterns between uh, babies in those early months of age and be able to identify anomalies. So when a baby does not meet a particular milestone by an age, uh, by a specific age, we're able to kind of flag that um, and without, you know, scaring the parent, mm -hmm. really put them in the right direction so that they can uh, get more information and help their child. Wow, incredible. And and I'm definitely not an AI expert by any means, but I imagine, you know, the tech that is really, um, you know, behind this platform could have, could translate into such a complicated interface or user experience, just trying to understand yeah. all these different cues. How have you built this project, this uh, product? And in terms of product development, more human-centered um, design, how did you, how did the end product come to be? How important was this experience on the user side? To be honest, that was the hardest part, maybe mm -hmm. even harder than the AI itself, because as you know, it's not really a black and white thing. Yeah. Uh, and I still don't think we're there. Uh, I still think there is improvements to be made in terms of how we, um, you know, uh, in, explain such a complex thing yeah. to the parents, especially when something is off. That's really important because at that moment, how even the vocabulary, the interface, and how you uh, communicate with the parent that, okay, we haven't seen your baby developing uh, in p this particular area can really increase anxiety or mm -hmm. can boost, um, you know, peace of mind. Um, so, um, you know, I have a background actually in design thinking throughout my years mm. uh, in consulting. I work with Fortune 500 companies uh, to really, um, you know, draw on fundamentals of human-centered design and to design products that are informed by people's everyday needs and habits. But it was actually much harder with Babbly because 
um, in the first few months, I felt like I wanted to do a lot of shortcuts because I felt I'm one of the customers, so I know the answer. Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, I'm just one of millions of parents uh, struggling to have access to data. So um, we did a lot of you know trial and error. We ran a number of experiments. Um, we tested iteratively as much as we could, and and I actually sat with parents in their homes while they were breastfeeding their baby, showing them the app, getting their um, oh. feedback. Um, and it, there's honestly no shortcut. That's just the only way that you can achieve um, achieve that. And and this customer validation sort of piece being obviously important for so many startups, but in this space, because, you know, the information and, and being a new parent is incredibly stressful for many. Yeah. Um, how did you manage the emotional side of this that, you know, you're empowering parents um, with this information and with this tech to, to really better understand the development of their children, but with that data could, could breed, you know, potential more anxiety depending on what the results are. How have you managed the emotions around um, empowering parents to, to use this data to make decisions on their own? Yeah, we d- did a few things. One thing that we have done and we are striving to do is to focus on the achievements. So mm-hmm. um, in the app that we have launched, uh, we have tried to really gamify the experience. So the more um, you know, you record your baby and upload their voice into the app, the more points you collect or um, you know, the more rewards and incentives you unlock in the app. Um, but also in working with speech language pathologists, um, I actually sat in a few therapy sessions or assessment sessions rather, just to see what is that moment? How does the therapist tell a, a parent in real life um, that your baby requires more um, therapy, that your baby is you know, kind of not meeting their milestones on time? And it was really interesting to hear the words that they used mm-hmm. and how they um, really created a uh, a narrative that was more focused on here are all the strengths that your baby has. Now let's work towards these goals mm. and achieve them and give them a sense of confidence that they're not alone along that journey, mm-hmm. that we're there to support them every step of the way. Incredible. So many startups like Babbly, you know, are, are really prioritizing social impact, doing good, and you know the the impact that this can make across you know a national or international scale is is so immense. Um, and looking at businesses that are still for profit entities, how do you manage you know your mission, vision, um, while aligning still to to social impact and and doing good within the world while still being profitable? Yeah, um, for us, uh, because the company was founded on um, a, a mission to really empower parents around the world, I feel like it's it's it goes way beyond our mission and vision statement. And I feel like it's a kind of an in, intuitive uh, part of our DNA that it kind of drives every decision that we make as an organization. I'm really proud to say everyone who's part of the Babbley family um, really believes in the mission and, and wanting to help families fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, scales across even our investors, um, which is extremely important because you want to make sure that people who are backing you also believe in, in the mission that you have. Um, you, you know, for us, it's it's very clear. We want to grow um, as, uh, as big as we can, as fast as we can. We want to reach to as many parents and families around the world. Um, as quick as we can. So that's obviously comes with a lot of, you know, effort and requires a lot of capital, but we want to 
uh, make sure that we do it in a sustainable way to grow the business at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also believe that the byproduct of what we are working on can truly change uh, the lives of millions of, of children, especially if they fall on the spectrum where they need support. Um, we have, uh, you know, done it quite a few things. One was making a pledge to um, a charity, uh, Sick Kids Foundation, uh, through Upside Foundation of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue to do that in, in, um, in, in the following years. Amazing. We're big, big fans of the Upside Foundation, yeah. <laughs> the work that, that, that they Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Uh, so walk us through your journey as a woman entrepreneur in tech. Obviously, we see, you know, male-dominated spaces, um, women really having to um, navigate some some challenging space um, when, you know, we're talking about tech, human design spaces, et cetera. Um, what barriers did you face in your entrepreneurial journey? And do you have any advice for our audience how they can navigate these spaces moving forward? Um, I mean, I can speak of personal experience, mm-hmm. but also there is some data that actually shows um, problems at a societal level. Mm-hmm. So um, from personal experience, I can say two things that I've noticed, two challenges was the problem and, and the, um, you know, the solution that we're working on does not necessarily resonate with um you know, a lot of VCs. And when you look at the VC uh, world, it's still a very male dominating industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we're looking at that changing, hopefully in the in the next few years, but it's still, like I said, a very male dominated industry and people invest in things that they relate to. Uh, and family tech um, seems to be, you know, an industry that resonates more with women mm-hmm. uh, investors. Um, so that's definitely one of the challenges that when we're speaking to investors, sometimes they, you know, question whether, you know, this is a big, big enough market or, you know, how many kids are actually going to need something like this. Mm. Um, so breaking that barrier is definitely um, a goal of ours. Another one is um, actually a lot of pre-assumptions about women in uh, entrepreneurship. And I mm-hmm. feel like people sometimes absolutely they want to do good and they have good intentions. But actually boxing women entrepreneurs as female founders and constantly talking about that Mm. moves away, moves the conversation away from asking women about topics like, you know, building unicorn companies or what's your female perspective on relentless pursuit of success. Uh, Very often we hear those conversations uh, be, you know, towards more our male peers, Um, whereas women entrepreneurs uh, show up in panels that are mostly about women uh, and entrepreneurship. So I'm hoping that that changes in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But more at a societal level, also, we saw that 2020 wasn't a great year in terms of uh, deployment of capital. Mm. Um, We were down at 4%, I think, in 2020 uh, compared to 2019, which was about 7%. So uh, definitely, we need to, you know, close that gap in terms of how much funding goes to um, women-owned businesses. And in terms of your funding experience, what did that journey look like for you? How did you raise the capital to to launch Babley and and sort of bring in investors from the get go? 
Um, yeah, so we started our um, journey with uh, an accelerator here um, in Canada, Next Canada, um, okay. and Next AI. So we got a, a bit of funding from that, and that just created. I think you know one thing I could say is if you start your first uh, step uh, in a in an accelerator with good network, it just creates that ripple effect. Mm. Um, so that led to introductions to other angel investors and uh, Creative Destruction Lab and and other. Um, accelerators later on. Um, so we are funded mostly by accelerators and um, angels uh, oh. that have have been with us, and I'm super proud to have them Incredible. on board. And with COVID nineteen, um, has that impacted your business at all? You know, the last you know six to nine months being incredibly challenging for many entrepreneurs. Has this been a challenge for you, or have you found that the the business is still booming and uh, expanding in other ways? Yeah, it, it's affected us in, in very different ways. Uh, one, I would say from a market perspective, it definitely we got a tailwind because a lot of the, you know, therapy sessions or people who were getting in-person consultations with um, therapists, uh, they had to rely on remote and online resources. So um, we saw a lot of inbound in that sense where parents were just helpless. They had no idea where to go. Um, but in terms of um, funding, and also a lot of, um, you know, noise, I think, especially in the media and PR, um, this year was a lot of content and topic was about COVID. Mm. Um, so it's been kind of an anomaly in that sense. Um, but we are definitely hopeful that next year, um, that will change. And, you know, people hopefully will get tired of talking about COVID. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, so looking at your journey and, and you know, experience, you know, we're big fans of Next and, and Next AI and, and leveraging entrepreneur support organizations across many different spaces in Canada. If there was any piece of advice you could give yourself at the beginning of your journey building Babley, um, is there one, you know, I, I don't say mistake, but one key thing that you wish you had known at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey um, that, that could have helped you along the way? Um, one thing I would say is, you, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always told uh, to be capital efficient and you want to, you know, keep your burn rate really low. And um, I feel like to this day, I, I'm still you know, that that's one thing that always keeps you up uh, cash flow. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, I feel like I cut a lot of corners um, when it came to just really fundamental infrastructure stuff like, you know, mm -hmm. accounting and bookkeeping and legal and all that stuff. And I tried to do too many things uh, myself that I had no idea what I was doing. And that created a lot of inefficiencies down the road because I had to reverse a lot of the decisions and a lot of the processes. Um, so one thing I would say is before you start working on whatever project or if you're early on your entrepreneurial journey, uh, try to map out a optimistic or an aggressive scenario for what are all the costs uh, that you might incur um, and really try to raise that capital up front. Um, instead of, you know, trying to work with a, a fraction of that and then cutting corners. I mean, obviously, it's an ideal scenario, but if you can do it, I would highly recommend it. Mm, great, great. Crunchy advice. I love that. And so final piece of advice uh, that you can provide, Miriam, to our audience. Any key takeaways? Um, you know, there's been plenty throughout this conversation. I think this has been really, really helpful for many of our listeners. Uh, but any final piece of, uh, of advice or a takeaway you'd like to share with our audience today? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I mentioned it, but um, being able to uh, resilience to me is a, a trait that you can build. Um, and I think it becomes a lot easier when you have that reason and, and, and the, um, the reason why your company and you exist is mm -hmm. much more clear to you. Mm -hmm. um, 2020 was definitely a tough year for a lot of people, but I think it really put my uh, beliefs in, in test as to, you know, how far are you willing to push um, to really make um, this journey work and, and the vision to come to life. And I would say there were moments that were extremely difficult, but knowing that the result is going to make it a real impact is what kept me going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Clarity and vision um, and really understanding your sort of raison d'etre. Why, why are we, yeah. you know, bending over backwards to build these companies? You need to have that emotional connection um, and that will, will definitely foster more success than if your heart isn't in it. And it's easy to see when, when people's hearts aren't in the right place um, that it, it's potentially not the right fit. Yeah, and I would say women entrepreneurs tend to, maybe I'm generalizing, but I feel like female founders actually naturally have that uh, ability to connect what they're working on with the mission. And they, I mean, from data, we know um, most female run businesses are impact and mission driven. So, um, so yeah. With you on that, fabulous. Thank you so much for spending time on the Thrive Podcast today, Miriam. Thank you. It was uh, great talking to you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.